Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June 21st, 2012. For newcomers, you can go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, tap yourself to the audios, there's lots to choose from, all free for download. And remember too that all those sites listed on the com site have the audios and transcripts for print up as well in English. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into alanwattsentinel.eu for a choice for offered there. So remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. You can buy the books and discs I have at cutting3midges.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or an international postal money order from the post office, or you can send PayPal or uh, use PayPal or, or send cash. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again to order. Remember, straight donations are really, really awfully welcome in this time of very strange occurrences. And by strange occurrences, I mean it's the end of this particular age, you might say. And those who understand the systems that they give us, the eras that they give us, because they run and dominate each era, you understand, through money and money manipulation, know how to bring societies down, just like they can bring them up to the beginning of empires. It's a very old science, and they bring a kind of circus stage in at the end with all the new age stuff and everything else, which bamboozles many people, and uh, and it's all a thing that's been happening for thousands of years, well documented by top professors who deal with history, ancient history to the present, and philosophers as well. But we're in it right now, uh, so we're living in a kind of circus time where anything kind of goes, and it's all mixed in with the real truth, the real facts, until it becomes surrealistic and bizarre, and everything gets tossed out the window, unfortunately, as far as real truth go and facts. And as I say, what I say, too, is, is that I go through the history of the organizations that run the world. They've run it for an awful long time uh, via money at the top with very professional-sounding names like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, which is comprised at the top of top international bankers and their sons. They set up the organization under different names when they were in the Milner Group and the Cecil Rhodes Foundation. Then they merged into the Royal Institute of International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations across the world, CG in Canada, and many other names. But it's all the same organization dedicated for a 100 years to bring the world into a global system of governance, or government, actually. And uh, they also were the ones who came up with the idea of a united Europe they pushed for that. They did all the drafting for it. Same with the United, United Americas. They drafted all that up and came out on Television Canada under their own guise, their own name, CFR, and boasted about that in 2005. And uh, there's not that's it, of course, but they also had a, a region for the Pacific Rim nations where, where really New Zealand and Australia come under the auspices of China, which they also helped to build up through their WTO, or World Trade Organization, built by the same boys at the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Parallel governments, the real government, in fact, 
The one that we see is simply a bit of a zoo. As a, the politicians are just little actors who are allowed to uh, give nasty comments to each other to see who's the brightest little schoolboys. And they rubber stamp the big treaties that are signed by the real governments and all their NGOs and foundations. They rubber stamp them and into law, and then we must all follow suit. So we don't have democracy. We never had. And it's very, a very difficult thing for most people to understand because they're brainwashed into the now, the reality of what's happening today, never realizing that what happens today on any big scale was planned many, many moons ago. That's how the world is really, really run has been for a long time, including the major wars, by the way. You can go into the early writings of propagandists for this organization like H.G. Wells, talking about the need for world wars to get the countries on their knees so they could consolidate banking in countries and nations into one governmental system. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and what a matrix it is, isn't it? Because the world's half crazy right now, as it's supposed to be, because we're going through massive changes into a new world, a new society, a new order of things, and a whole new way of training children to suit the future masters, which are simply the the children of the masters that master over us right now. That's how it's been for an awful, awful long time. But look at the farce we're having with the banking system, because the whole system is corrupt, and it always was corrupt. Money is corrupt, and banking is corrupt. When they can, you can deposit a dollar, and they can lend out eleven for every one dollar you give them. That's not a bad deal, isn't it? And things like that. So it's all nonsense. And then, of course, they create nations, and then they create income taxes and all kinds of taxes. And then your government gets into those taxes and lends it out abroad. And when they don't have enough to lend out abroad, uh, and they still say that we're national, mind you, but your your government's acting like a bank. And and they put you down as collateral if they need, need more money to give out abroad and things like that. The corporations, because we're in a new global economy, you see, so you've got to pay for all the international corporations wherever they put their different uh, bases across the whole planet. That's corporate welfare. That's what they used to call it now. But now it's just a redistribution of wealth. That's your money again. And that's the farce of it. And of course, it's a, a form of slavery, a slavery because uh, it was Charles Galton Darwin said that. He says, we're in the process of creating a more sophisticated form of slavery. Because he says, there's always been slavery in one form or another. Sometimes it's more overt, sometimes it's more disguised, but we've always, we never really have freedom at all. We've never ever had that. There's always an elite living off the rest of the public. Uh, and, to, and for a while now, it's been uh, the monetary elite to make money off money. Uh, you, don't, you don't get very rich by making things that, that you need and things that pe- people really need. You make money off handling money, you see. That's where the whole con comes in. But anyway, it says in this paper today, Moody's downgrades 15 major banks. And it says the UK banks downgraded include Royal Bank of Scotland, Barclays and the HSBC. And the US Bank of America, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan are amongst those marked down. And the BBC business editor Robert says Peston, I don't know mean Preston, but anyway, reported on Tuesday that the downgrades were coming and said that banks were concerned as it may make it harder for them to borrow money commercially. Well, you know who's going to bail them out, eh? Guess who? 
to get them all up to, to snuff so they can rip off the, the country again, or the, plant, the whole world, actually, they're ripping off. They're still collecting all the houses. They're trying to figure out who really owns them after the last bank crash. And they're suing each other and stuff like that. Like sharks, aren't they? Yeah. Just like sharks. And then you've got across the world, too, uh, again, this great, uh, basically, uh, something for us to guide us, the guiding light, you may see, of Australia, Gillard's Australia, which has pretty well gone the whole way of communism and authoritarianism, and you find that uh, uh, he's an article from Shell Oil to, to do with Australia. And it says, Shell is keen to import foreign workers. You see, they've got, they can run all these programs through that they've already signed up years ago. That's importing cheap workers, and you can pay them, say that the money you'd pay them from China, you don't give them an Australian wage. Or from India, same thing. One of the world's most powerful business leaders has applauded the government's move to put a price on carbon. Should that should tell you all why these big boys were all behind the greening movement you know, and all that stuff. Because it's a whole new area of finance for them. Money for nothing, you know. Gas, basically. And even then, it's, it's, they don't even bother measuring it. Just, uh, they just use yardsticks and magic stuff. To put it together. So he's all for the carbon taxes, but he says his company will need to import foreign workers to make its Australian operations competitive. Now, the whole idea between free trade, remember, and you've got to understand this, was set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs a long, long time ago. They've never changed their objectives. They always keep the same treaties and update the treaties, but they keep the basis, the basics there, which is the free flow of goods and labor across national boundaries, and that's what they meant by that, the cheap labour across national boundaries. They don't have to go under Australian law or anybody else's law and give them, say, minimum wage of Australia. That was part of a treaty worked out in France back in the early 90s. So anyway, says Paul Vozer, the global CEO of Shell, says Australia's productivity is a real concern. You've got the high Australian dollar, you've got the scare uh, workforce, a scarce workforce, and therefore we are concerned about the overall rate at which we're paying for Australian labour, and clearly that needs some intervention. Well, this has worked out years ago to start bringing in uh, cheap labour. In all countries, by the way, for those who don't know it. See, all, all the guys that you vote in all belong to the Council on Foreign Relations, which is just another branch for, for foreign branches of the Royal Institute of International Affairs. Every country has its president or Prime Minister as a member. So it doesn't matter what party you vote for, they have the ones at the top of all parties across the whole planet. So, there you are. Uh, it's working out perfectly, as they said it would a long time ago. Now, as, as we do all this too, we're going into austerity, you see. Austerity is a training the public to go into poverty, so that you don't have, you're post-consumer, so you can't go out and keep buying all the stuff that kept you happy. Uh, and reward yourself for working. No, you've got to pay it all out uh, on essentials, food, which you've got out of sight. You see, all your food now is up on the global stock market and uh, derivatives market too, and they, they toss it all across the planet. And the more they can get out of your country, exported, you see, the more scarce it is at home, and they can jack the prices right up. So they, they get a profit of selling your stuff abroad, uh, because these guys wangle every, every country's uh, system, and then they can also up the price at home as well, saying, well, it's not enough at home. Beautiful when you handle the whole world, isn't it? It's not difficult at all. 
But at the same time, too, with the growth into austerity, and doctors say in National Health Service countries like Britain have been told officially not to send so many patients off for x-rays and, and blood tests and things like that because, you know, well, really, we're in the age of uh, what is your status? That's really what What is your status in community? Do we really need you here? Well, I'm, I'm a, I'm a laborer and I work at the bottom level. Well, okay, uh, your leg might be broken or whatever, but uh, let's go home and we'll put a little bandage on it. But basically that's what's going down. This is Obamacare, by the way, too, that's coming into the States. They've been working on this for years before Obama came in. And uh, you'll get the same service in the U.S. very shortly. It says, this is in Britain, docs say that two euros broken leg was psychological and sent them home. You see, the quality of doctors have got in Britain, and a lot, most of them are imported now, by the way, um, I mean, they wouldn't get their degrees in a lucky bag, which is a, a candy bag that you see a little thing in, you know, a little reward. But they wouldn't, like maybe that's where they did get their degrees, I don't know. But you're terrified to go to hospital now, the death rate's enormous, even when you're going for a simple thing. That's if you get into hospital. They won't do cataracts for the elderly now, it's too expensive, they say, but they can afford to dish money abroad to build hospitals in China because that's what they do under the World Trade Organization uh, for many, many years to come. We still have to pay for China to come up to a higher level. So this was happened to poor soul in Britain, and it's a two-year-old boy was sent home with a broken leg after doctors dismissed his injury as psychological. I read one about two weeks ago or so where a guy said the same thing about a girl, a young girl, and she actually had a massive infection, which a tuberculosis, in fact, which killed her. But that's pretty common now, you know. It says, Archie Elridge had been given a temporary cast after an X-ray revealed he had a hairline fracture following an accident in gymnastics. Ten days later, his mum, Natasha, took him to a specialist. That's what you get in Britain, you get specialists. So you're not specialists for certain things in, in the medical industry, charge an awful lot of money, but they're really kicked upstairs because they're terrible at, at, at diagnosis as, as partic- practitioners, general practitioners. And, um, and many of them are advised to go into, mainly they go into the, the, the areas of allergies and things. Very easy work, you see. You, you can hardly screw up for, um, in allergies. But sometimes they go into other areas as well, like reading x-rays. And it says, uh, so it, a specialist who inspected the x-rays and then removed the cast. He thought there was nothing wrong with it. The doctor informed us there was no fracture to the leg and asked Archie to walk, but he struggled to put any weight on his leg. And it says uh, the doctor said this was psychological and he would be walking within the next few days. I guess if he wasn't, they'd probably give him some drugs and, and drug him, you know, to make him better. But two weeks after being discharged from Darnt Valley Hospital, Archie was still in pain, struggling to walk, so Natasha took him to another hospital for a second opinion. And they found the, 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 you know, they sent him back actually to the same fracture clinic that had made the mistake in the first place. X-rays later, uh, eventually they found, yep, it definitely was a break, and it was below the knee, etc. And it could have been a lot worse because of the damage suffered during the whole time. You understand, when you start losing marrow from your bone, you get embolisms, they go into the bloodstream, and they can kill you, uh, things like that. Or, of course, you can, it can pierce right through the skin, and now you're infection, and you've got a big problem. But not with the new healthcare system, nope. It's all under control. This is austerity. And I, I don't know where they drag these doctors up. I know they import an awful lot from certain countries, but uh, they, they obviously shouldn't be qualified, that's for sure. And also, this article here, it's a train society. You understand? You've got to understand the old, old agenda, which was to totally destroy, completely, utterly rip apart all traditions that kept 
people together. Uh, family units, the norms that, that ran the family units and everything else. Because, you see, those who want to control the whole world have a hard time with a people who stand up uniformly, when they have uniformity of thought, custom, etc., amongst themselves. It's very difficult. It's impossible to take them over. So you have to utterly destroy them. Well, this article is about expressing themselves for children, and it's from, it's from uh, the Gay Star News, by the way. UK infants, into the infants now, schools praise for teaching trans children to express themselves in Britain. And it says, um, transgender activist welcomes Ofsted to report and applaud schools for allowing children to explore gender freely. Uh, and it says, uh, the report by education watchdog Ofsted found that children in primary schools, that's when they first go in at five or whatever, were encouraged to express themselves and allow a dress, uh, to dress uh, as the opposite sex. Schools are applauding, are applauding for appreciating that a boy may prefer to be known as a girl and have a girl's name. Similarly, a girl might have a girl's name but wants to dress as a, a boy, you know, at four or five. This is complete engineering and destruction of the old, you see. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the social engineering that's going on. Because once you see everyone's completely uh, screwed up, basically, you know, screwed up. Man, you can change your mind when you're screwed up and be whatever you want. But once you've destroyed all that was, you see, to bring in the new, then the people are completely helpless and, uh, and they're conquered. With them then, the raw stock, you can do with them what you want. You can, you can shape them in any way that you want. And that was a big, big part of taking over the world. And it's still going on, of course, as the top-down boys push this on the whole of society across the planet. So I'll put this link up tonight as well. And it's a warfare strategy. Uh, this is a, a joke, this one. Official Olympic starter pistol banned from firing the pistol at school sports day uh, because gunshot might frighten the children. The children are, are, have grown up watching from, from Rambo to the present, you know, billions and billions of rounds fired by Hollywood, blood and guts galore. But, you know, the sound of a gun, gunshot might frighten the children. What a joke, eh? This, these are the same nutcases that, that, that wrap boys up in cotton wool. Don't climb that tree and all that stuff. You might break a leg and get misdiagnosed by some imported doctor. That kind of stuff, you know. So that's the world we live in. It's absolutely crazy, isn't it? But this, you ain't seen nothing yet, folks. You ain't seen nothing yet. When you get told by crazy people to 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 give them authority and respect their authority, you, you're falling into the same psychosis as they have. You understand? And I really mean that. I really mean that. I've said it before. If some guy is dressed like Napoleon and he says, "Address me as Napoleon," uh, or else. And you say, get lost, you know, that's crazy. Uh, and then you get locked in your prison because you wouldn't, because you hurt his feelings, you see. Well, that is madness in itself. And that's what we've got is, is damn madness. Let's be honest about things. And this article here is also from Press TV. There's many different ways of looking at the same thing. And, and that's what's wrong with the public. They don't, they, they're unable to look at things from different angles and perspectives. Because of the conditioning that we have, we're linear in thoughts and we've been trained that way, you see. But it's about uh, Obama, he gave um, a Medal of Freedom to Israeli Prime, uh, President Shimon Peres, 
uh, gave him the Presidential uh, Medal of Freedom during a dinner, dinner ceremony in Washington on June the 13th. And in this article here, it calls him a war criminal. You know, the, I'm not sure which one. Oh, it must be one or the other, or maybe both. Who knows? But anyway, that's one way of looking at one aspect of, 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 of something, because uh, those in the recipient or the receiving ends of nasty stuff are the ones who they've got a voice as well. They can say what they think, and they think that the guy's a war criminal. And then you read this article here, who's now over in Israel at the moment, and this is Kissinger, moment of truth on Iran within months. Israeli President Shimon Peres stands with former U.S. Secretary of State Dr. Henry Kissinger before awarding him the Presidential Medal of Distinction. So they're giving each other medals, you see, at the fourth annual presidential conference in Jerusalem on June the 19th. And this is... Uh, Upon receiving the, the presidential award, it says the moment of truth on a, on Iran question will be in the months ahead. The question is at what point one concludes that negotiations have reached their limit. It's not a question that should be answered unilaterally. The former U.S. Secretary of State said Tuesday night in a speech at the opening gala of the 2012 President's Conference in Jerusalem. The fact is that the members of the Security Council have stated for 10 years that a military nuclear program in Iran is unacceptable. They owe themselves the need for diplomacy, but also a point will be reached at which they will have to define what they mean by unacceptable and how that should be implemented. And that is a moment uh, that will be approached in the months ahead, and it's something that we should all do together. So as they all give each other medals across the world, they want war with Iran, of course, and that will come when it's the right time. Um, this is an interesting article here. As I've said before, it ties in what I said earlier on, of how the whole world agenda was laid out a hundred years ago, easy, easy, at least, at least in print. Little pamphlets went out before it from different organizations, but then they put them into books and into prints and told you about the whole world agenda. And this article is to do with the, the EU, the European Union, this, this basically unelected parliament they have, honestly the commissioners at the top that really run it. It's not democratic, but that to destroy all it was to bring in the new once again. And, and it says here, um, the EU, the European Union, should do its best to undermine the homogeneity of its member states, the United Nations Special Rep for Migration has said. So you're a representative for migration and immigration, you see, from the United Nations. And so they want to undermine the homogeneity, right? That's the culture, the people, the race, you might say, of the people, the ethnic race, and undermine it and further give more immigration to destroy the older system. Peter Sutherland told peers, that's the guys who stand up when they're, I guess, at their toilet in Britain, the future prosperity of many EU states depended upon them becoming multicultural. And remember that article that I put up before with Tony Blair, who got his right-hand man in, and they opened the doors to immigration, and Blair said it was to destroy the culture of Britain forever. Now, that's a fact, folks. That's a fact. It came out on the mainstream. And here's Peter Sutherland from the United Nations, a special rep for immigration, and they call it migration because they like to put them all over the place and, and move them around. And who else, what else is he too? He's also uh, on, the, on the board, the top board, the chairman of uh, Goldman Sachs. What, and the United Nations is independent, you think, eh? Oh, I've been telling you for years that the big corporations are the United Nations. They run it from the Royal Institute of International Affairs. 
So it says he also suggested the UK government's immigration policy has no basis in international law. Roll over and play dead, he says. That's what, that's what it means. That's what it means. There's no basis, so just open the floodgates and sink. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the Matrix, reading about this article about a guy from the United Nations who's in charge of immigration across the world, apparently. Did you vote this guy? Did you even know it existed? Of course it's not, because the United Nations is, is a, a front organization, just like the Royal Institute of International Affairs is a front organization. And this guy also, Mr. Peter Sutherland, says, told peers. Now, how can you tell peers, which is his own equals, in other words, at the House of Lords in Britain? who deal with the EU Home Affairs Subcommittee. That's what they're on, basically. Uh, he's, he's telling them to just open the doors because what they're doing is basically illegal. Well, where's this charter? Where's this world charter to do with who you can let in and who you can't let in? Yeah? He told the House Lords Committee of, of Migration that migration was a crucial dynamic for economic growth in some EU nations. However difficult it may be to explain this, to the citizens of those states, meaning the citizens are just too dumb and stupid to understand. It's for their own good to understand. More open, it says, an aging and, and or declining native population in countries like Germany or southern EU states was a key argument, and I hesitate to use the words because the people have attacked it for the development of multicultural states, he added. You see, they, they told the good people for years to be good and, and obey and don't have any children. Go out and have fun, party forever. Don't, don't, even though you're aging, pretend you're still 20. And watch all the filth on television and don't and get lots of partners, but don't have children. Like, remember, Julian Huxley said at UNESCO, that's the system they bring in. Well, that's what they did. They didn't have many children, and now they need all the children to come in to pay off the national debts. That's what Thatcher said, too. But again, it's a banking system here, too. You see, the whole world's run by bankers. So this guy in charge of international immigration uh, for the United Nations is also assistant non-executive chairman of Goldman Sachs. He was also a former chairman of All Giant BP, and he heads the Global Forum on Migration and Development, like the devil part, which brings together representatives of 160 nations to share policy ideas. We're all run by representatives now that we don't even know exist, making decisions all over, over, over all of us. And people accept it. They don't mind being ruled, dominated. They still want to believe there's a democracy somewhere over the rainbow. Anyway, it says it's impossible to consider the degree of homogeneity, which is implied by the other argument, uh, and it can survive, because states have to become more open states in terms of the people who inhabit them, just as the UK has demonstrated. And uh, I'll put this up tonight, too. It was on a little bit more about the, oh, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Sounds very important. But it's just an IMF branch, you see. And at the end of World War II, they set it up in all the countries that signed the United Nations Treaty in 1946. And what you do is that the OECD has the same person generally is in charge of the IMF for that country. So they borrow money from the, the people, they put you down as guarantors, then they lend money overseas to the big corporations are setting up in other countries. They've been doing this since 1946. 
Bankers run our lives. We don't elect the bankers. He told the Committee of the United States or Australia and New Zealand are migrant societies and therefore they accommodate more readily those from other backgrounds than we do ourselves who still nurse a sense of our homogeneity and difference from others. And that's precisely what the European Union, in my view, should be doing its best to undermine. There you go. You just have to undermine it until you've got the lovely, lovely rainbow stuff and all that and the melting pot. And, and, and then you've got segregated societies as they all go into their own communities and have riots and gangs, fights and things like that. And then they come out and say, look, oh, it's a mess. We have to rule you in a more authoritarian fashion. It's, it's beautiful how they plan this in advance, isn't it? This is the average at Sydney Hospital Australia will be hit with a $120,000 annual carbon bill after the $23 a tonne tax kicks in on January the 1st. So, so it's ready to kick in, $23 a tonne uh, tax. So I guess I'll have to just basically either up the cost of all medical care through taxation, of course, or else give you less and less care and uh, find some charities on the side or something. Or maybe they'll do song and dances in the streets with all the staff to raise the cash to pay the taxes. I don't know how they're going to do it there. But that's what's coming down. And the big bankers, again, now have a whole new economy of tossing carbon credits around and holding on to them to evaluate in cash because there's always inflation and, and, uh, and they can sell them off and all that kind of stuff. You know, bags of nothing. What a great deal, eh? Global warming, second thoughts of an environmentalist, says Fritz Vanerholt, one of Germany's earliest green energy advisors, is not convinced that humanity is causing catastrophic global warming. As a scientist of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, are quite certain by using fossil fuels, man is currently destroying the climate of and the future. We have one last chance, we're told, quickly renounce modern industrial society, painfully but for a good cause. For many years I was an active supporter of the IPCC and its CO2 theory. Recent experience with the United Nations Climate Panel however, forced me to reassess my position. In February 2010, I was invited as a reviewer for the IPCC report on renewable energy. I realized that the drafting of the report was done in anything but a scientific manner. The report was littered with errors and members of Greenpeace edited uh, the final version. I mean, that's a beautiful Greenpeace, the final version to edit, right? These developments shocked me. I thought if such things can happen in this report, they might happen in other IPCC reports too. Well, of course they did. Good practice requires double-checking the facts. After all, geoscientists have checked the pre-industrial climate over the past 10,000 years. They've got time machines, you see. It says, this isolates natural climate drivers. According to the IPCC, natural factors hardly play any role in today's climate, so we'd expect a rather flat and boring climate history. And then he goes in far from it and so on and so on. He goes through the reality of what they can check, at least think they can check. Uh, and shows you all the, the, the intentional uh, nonsense they put into the reports to deceive the general public, to make it sound legitimate and all very good. You understand it's a political social agenda. And they'll get any uh, distorted information, pretend it's facts, and pump it at you as though it is fact. And that's how you do it. It's like creating a religion. It's no different. And... Focus covers through. Renault, it says renewable energy threatens to ruin Germany, and they call it a tsunami of costs. It says, um, this week's story of the Germany's print magazine Focus carries the title Energy End. And it says, one year ago, Germany, in a fit of hysteria, ordered eight nuclear power plants closed immediately 
and the remaining nine closed by the year 2022. By 2050, its energy supply must be at least 80% supplied by renewable sources, as his costs be damned. This has come to be known as the German uh, energy, energy wind, it's called, or energy transition, roughly translated. So the mad rush to renewable energy was in, on in earnest. Today, just a single year later, the high costs and insurmountable technical problems have spooked leaders and sparked a wave of uneasiness to sweep their country, even the ones green media are waking up and sounding the alarms. as bankrupting them, in other words. Exorbitant feed-in tariffs to power companies and so on. It's just bankrupting the whole darn thing. And they don't have enough electricity to supply the country by turning off all these nuclear plants. See? And they give you the different uh, percentages of people who are for it, against it, and all the usual stuff. So, so we'll see what happens. Now, again, like everything else, always starts with massive marketing campaigns to terrify people in order to sell them on an idea of we're here to help you. Fluvax probe reveals manufacturing. They call it a flaw. Just a little flaw, right? And it says uh, it could be years before by a uh, pharmaceutical company, CSL's flu vaccine can be used again by children, the company says. And that's, even the way this is worded, so, again, neurolinguistics, you see, Ryan's come out with a real story. They're trying to say, oh, isn't that a shame? We can't, we, we can't get it for a few years now. Oh, dear. CSL's vice president of medical research, Daryl Maher, said the company is trying to change the way it manufactures the vaccine after the 2010 flu vaccine inoculation caused fevers and convulsions in some young children. Remember the one, too, I think it was in Finland, they found them, gave them basically a sleeping sickness sort of form, you know, and many other neurological problems as well. An intensive two-year investigation into the adverse reactions released publicly for the first time Wednesday found specific virus components had triggered excessive immune responses in children. That means, people, those children are going to be hyper-allergic to everything for their whole life long. It screwed up their entire immune response system. They've been doing this for years, by the way. That's why allergies were very rare, and now you have people with, with, who are allergic to everything. When you get an infection, because your, your body's at war with all the little things it shouldn't be, it should just dismiss them, it can't concentrate to fight off a real infection. Dr. Mayer said that the manufacturing method used by CSL seemed to preserve the virus components that caused the reactions. So CSL needed to change the process and show that the new method worked while providing a safe and effective vaccine for all age groups. Now, you try to tell me they didn't do the same nonsense with this one before they gave it to children. A war is going on, folks. It's a war. And these guys get off with it. Heads should roll, you know, for the damage they're doing. But the public today will accept anything, won't they? Anything at all. Plastic. Plastic people. And then this strange article here, explosives found at Swedish nuclear plant in Gothenburg, Sweden. It says the Swedish nuclear facilities were placed on alert Thursday after explosives were found at Ringall's uh, nuclear power plant, the Radiation Safety Authority said. It says um, the threat level was raised as a precaution following the incident at the plant south of Gothenburg. An explosive device was found Wednesday afternoon in a large flat truck that was returning to the re- reactor area from an industrial estate belonging to the nuclear power plant. Apparently it was about fist-sized or hand-sized. Maybe we don't know if it's a test or what. You know, they do these tests too and try to smuggle them. We have no idea. We'll have to wait and see. But we'll put this up anyway, and um, we'll find out what comes out, if anything at all. Years ago, 
disparate movies out about forest fires and the firefighters. These, these heroic movies and, and you had all the, the heroes and all that stuff that could, you know, just tempt de- death and all the rest of it to save your lives and save the forest. And of course now they set fire to the forests. Just overnight they changed and started setting fire to forests to so-called burn off the underbrush. And we've had forests in the past that uh, came up from the States with joint U.S.-Canada uh, uh, guys um, setting fires in both which joined together and, and smoldered and reburst every summer for years. That burned out whole villages and towns and, and all that because they want to burn out the, the, you know, the underbrush, a controlled burn, they call it. Anyway, it says, New Bern, North Carolina, U.S. Forest Service fires, uh, firefighters hope they soon contain a coastal wildfire that's grown to more than 20,000 acres in just three days. The fire in the center of the 160,000-acre Croatian uh, National Forest spread from, from 10,800 acres Monday to nearly 21,250 by late Tuesday morning. It started as a prescribed burn by the Forest Service last Thursday, but got out of control. I've lost count of the times I've read these articles. I can remember years ago, too, they said, uh, when they were talking to the, uh, the preliminary uh, parts of Agenda 21, many, many years ago, how they get the public off the land and into the big cities, because that's the agenda, you see. And one of them actually quipped that they'd burn them out if necessary, and it makes you start to wonder about it, doesn't it? Because this is happening every year. Control burns and you end up, towns, everything goes. And then, of course, the insurance companies won't reinsure the people or let them build in those areas because, well, they might give a fire again. So that's them. They go into the cities and that's it done. But it says, um, crews were using three helicopters, etc., to drop water in hot spots and all that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Now, this Council on Foreign Relations, again, the big boys that tell every other reporter what to write, because you see, most of the reporters are. The big ones, anyway, are all on the Council on Foreign Relations to standardize all news. And we know their agenda because they are part of the Royal Institute for International Affairs for globalism. So they're all pro-war on Islamic countries. They're all pro this for, 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 for greening. They're pro all the rest of it. And so on. But now they want to make voting mandatory. And this is from the CFR's own website. Now, these guys have no official recognition, as far as we know, because they, of course they do really from the boys around the world, the bankers, because they own them, uh, they're part of their team. But we don't vote them in, and here they are wanting to make voting mandatory. That's what they did in the Soviet system, they did in Australia, elsewhere, Holland, because you see, to, to really rule you in an authoritarian way and get you to accept it, you have to vote and give, your, give yourself over to them. That's a legalism. Otherwise, they're, they're being tyrannical upon you. But if you vote for them, then they put out tyrannical laws and taxes. Then they say, well, you voted his own. It's all legal. And you have nothing to say to that, you see. So they want to, uh, to be mandatory. U.S. pride itself in the beacon of democracy. I don't know wherever they got that from. But it's very likely no U.S. president ever has ever been elected by a majority of American adults. And it's our own fault because voter participation rates are running low and below 60%. And a candidate would have to win 85% or more of the vote to be elected by a majority. Compulsory voting, as, is, as exists in Australia and more than two dozen other countries, would fix that problem. As William Galston of the Brookings Institution argues, jury duty is mandatory. Why not voting? Mandating voting has a clear effect. It raises participation rates. But the thing is, though, they're all crooks that you're voting for. They all belong to the very organization, the Council of Foreign Relations, that this author belongs to. So you're not surprised, right, that, that he's writing about it. 
But do you really want to vote for some guy that's going along with all the PC agenda? Do you really want that? But, I mean, if voting, as I say, worked, if voting worked, none of this would be happening with this amalgamation of the planets. Nothing would be happening with, with, with us all bailing out all banks across the, the planet too. We wouldn't be throwing your money. Your government would be borrowing money and put you down as guarantor to pay it off and, and throwing money out across the world to third world countries because they signed an agreement with them. You didn't do that. You didn't sign an agreement to through the World Trade Organization. You see? So why not not vote at all? That's the only way you can really show that, that you're, you're rather disgusted with the whole affair, isn't it? But if you do, if you do vote for anybody at all, you're giving them authority to do what they want over you. That is law, by the way. They can do what they want because you're giving them the authority. It doesn't mean, mean that you didn't realize they were going to do what they were going to do to you, like bash you on the head or whatever it happens to be. The fact is you are giving them the authority to do that very thing if they want to. That's the law. And then this guy here is amazing too. Elliot Abrams is a senior fellow for the Middle Eastern Studies at the Council on Foreign Relations. And he's got, you know, I'd say a compromised mind, I'd say, perhaps. And uh, he says, what does it take for Obama to move on Syria? He's always pushing for war, this Norm Abrams, uh, Elliot Abrams, I should say, uh, and, and Iran and everything else, because, you see, that's the big agenda under the, the project for New American Century, which is now morphed into Obama's uh, group as well. It's just one agenda on the go, doesn't matter who you vote for, but... Um, it says today there are two developments worthy of note. The greatest one in the report of what Secretary Clinton said in Denmark, according to the Daily Star newspaper of Beirut, and where she said that they need uh, other support like Russia and all that on board and China. And he's pretty well saying, well, who says so? Why not just go ahead and do it, in other words, to paraphrase it all. But he's always pushing for war, cancer and foreign relations, man, eh? An Australian climate czar calls for ripping fillings from the dead. You just need a pair of pliers, he says. It costs $2, and he should know because he probably has deals going with China. They're so close to them. That's where we're fallen, folks. Fallen, we're plummeted. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and just before I go to caller, I just mentioned too that the Queen's Crown real estates or the states that she owns are just raking in the cash like never before because of all the green energy, all these big windmills that they managed to get deals on and, and they get paid all that money for them sitting on their vast estates, you know, selling it to the public who are also subsidizing them. So I'll put that up too. Now there's Jack from Michigan on the line there. Are you there, Jack? Oh, hi. Yes. Uh, I was, I've been thinking about uh, Theodore Adorno's quote about how the Frankfurt School was trying to implement a culture of necrophilia, basically. That's right, yeah. And I was, it just kind of hit me when I was watching the uh, Luca Magnota video that we're already there. We're there. He said, yeah, he said that we, our, our whole goal was to completely re-engineer the culture of the West, especially America. Uh, and so they'd never become fascists, etc. He meant destroying the male, destroying everything, and bring out massive promiscuity until they'd bring in necrophilia. Says that then he says that that might not even be enough then to bring in the new system. And that was from the Frankfurt School. That's from his own writings. I've got them here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, 
because I'm 24 years old, and I remember just just riding the school bus on middle school. You know, kids were just going at it, smoking crack, doing doing just about everything. You know, yeah. just <laughs> before I was even a teenager. But uh, there's all these video games that came out when I was young about making snuff films mm-hmm. called Manhunt. And the company that came out with this is called uh, Rockstar Games. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, the guy who started it was um, the son of Peter Brandt, uh, a magazine a magazine type of guy, yep. who was uh, kind of affiliated with Andy Warhol. That's and I understand right. that, that he even kind of made necrophilia films, like uh, this Frankenstein film in the 70s even. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's like this has been going on for a long time, but now... Yeah. Like my parents' generation, they go and see the movies like Saw and like Human Centipede and all this stuff, and they like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They like it too. Sure. And I just thought it was a it was a, a younger generation thing, but it's just kind of. It's, it's been so incremental, generation to generation, uh, and they up they know exactly when to up it to the next generation. Uh, right, the time is perfect, always perfect, with many other things to coincide with it and reinforce it at the same time. But you understand, this, this is the agenda to destroy all uh, Western cultures. They said that they would bring us down to the state of necrophilia in order so that a repeat of World War II would not happen again and that, that American, Americans especially would not become fascist and turn on so-called min- a minority. That was the whole... And they were given utter complete authority to work with Bernays along with the, the presidents to re-engineer a new culture for America that was to be the show place for the world and all countries would copy it. That's correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do you think we're going to hit rock bottom soon? I, I don't know how much crazier it can get. Oh, it's going to get crazier. They, they, they literally planned to have mass riots over 50 years ago when they set up this whole agenda, this part of the agenda, and they'd have mass riots towards the end as they utterly collapse society. And out of the collapsed society, would have a unified global system and a new trained population and even a thinning of the population. That's why you're seeing uh, for over 20 years, actually, the build-up of internal armies to deal with what will come down the road because they must train the police into a different mentality as well uh, to, to, to fight internally. Uh, uh, troubles and and strife and all the rest of it. So it's all planned that way. You're going through a long-term planned agenda from the top. There's nothing magical about it. It's uh, it's all in the planning and all the think tanks that work on it and give us the culture and run the culture industry and your politics. They're all combined. But thanks for calling from Hamish myself, Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>